into the eternal kingdom that Jesus brings. All right, so verse, you got to keep going. Verse 15, as for me, Daniel, my spirit was, within me was anxious. I imagine, right? Can you imagine this? Can you imagine getting this? Sometimes you might think, man, I wish the Lord would speak to me. Mm, You might be careful, right? I wish the Lord would tell me what's going to be in the future. Mm, I don't know. You might not be able to handle it. If the Lord told us what was coming in the next 50 years, it'd cripple us. You understand that? It would absolutely cripple us. We can't bear that. So Daniel gets this revelation, and he's anxious. He's anxious, and I get it. He said, the visions of my head alarmed me. So I approached one of those who stood there and and asked him the truth concerning all this, right? So he goes up to an angel that's there in the vision. He goes, hey, uh, help me out, right? And this is funny because Daniel's always the guy that interprets the visions, right? Daniel's always the guy in the, in the story that they come to, to to explain the visions. And Daniel's like, whew, help me. Like, what on earth is happening here? Or really, what not on earth, right? What out of this world is happening here, right? So he, he walks up to the angel and says, hey, can you, can you explain? And so he told me, the end of verse 16, he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. So verse 17, here's the angel's response. Hey, these four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Think about the word that this is to Daniel, an exile, an exiled Jew. A Jew who was supposed to be a part of the people that would bless all people and whose kingdom would never end. But now he's in exile. And not just for a little while. Like he's been in exile for, I don't know, probably 40-ish years at this point. I I might be wrong on that, but it's been a while. The capital, Jerusalem, it's in ruins. The temple's in ruins. It's not looking good for the Jews to regain any power. It's not looking good for them to have any earthly hope here. And this is the word that God brings to him in this season of exile. You need to know this and apply this. You wonder, man, I don't know what it's looking like for our future as a nation or as a people, whatever. Hear this. This is the word that comes from God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of fear. This is the word that he gives them. And it's so simple. He says, yeah, yeah, those four... uh, the four beasts, that's kings that are going to rise out of the earth. They'll do their thing. But, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. That's this power. Who's going, to be in, who's going to have the power? Who's going to be in authority? Whose people are going to be victorious? Will it be America or will it be China or will it be this or will it be that? And he says, listen, the end of it is it will be the people of God. We inherit the earth, church. We win. Why? Because we're awesome? No, no, no. Because our king conquered. Our king conquered. He wins. He's the one on the throne. He rolls up on clouds. Makes those guys' little deals look really, really sad. He rolls up and conquers all of it. And because, or rather, if you are a born-again follower of Jesus, you will be on the winning side of that deal. And you will inherit the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever and ever. Amen. Do you not look forward to a day when there will be no more strife? Do you not look forward to a day when there will be no more re-election? There will be no more rioting. There will be no more debate. There will be no more talking heads on the TV. Praise God, right? Don't you look forward to that day? It's coming. It's coming. It may get weird in between now and then. In fact, it will. But that day is coming. That's the news that the angel tells Daniel. Yeah, yeah, four kings, or four beasts, that's the four kings, but... Uh, you guys win. That's the news. That's what he tells him. It's awesome. You guys win. People of God inherit it forever. That, that's what we should get. And honestly, that's where we should stop. 
But here, Daniel's a lot like us. He's got more questions, right? He, he, he sees the point, but he's got, he's got more questions. Verse 19, um, then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different than all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and devoured unbroken pieces and stamped what's left with his feet. Daniel goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm, I'm glad we're going to win. Can you tell me more about that fourth beast? Right? Like, this is how we work, too. We're like, awesome, Jesus wins. Yeah, but there was something about a man of lawlessness. There was something about a beast and a mark of the beast. And does that vaccine have a chip in it or not? Like, do I, are they tracking me? Why am I wearing Like, you know what I mean? This is how we work. We want to know, know all the little ins and outs. We get distracted about these little things. The angel just said, you win. He just said it. Daniel's like, yeah, but that fourth beast freaked me out. Can you explain that a little bit? And that's totally understandable. Totally understandable. As you look at apocalyptic literature, you try to read the book of Revelation, you're going to be confused. And you should read it, right? You shouldn't be afraid of it. Maybe we'll preach through it sometime. Right? But we're going to take a break after we get through Daniel. Y'all be like, no, we need, we need a break from apocalyptic literature for a bit. But, but here's the deal. We shouldn't be afraid of it. But it's going to be confusing, right? And there's a lot of people who get distracted about the wrong things. <clears throat> Okay, so he asked for explanation, and this, this is what he gets. It's, re <coughs> excuse me. it's really not much of an explanation, if I'm being honest. He kind of just retells it in a little bit of detail, but we'll get to the end, okay? So I want you to take heart, though, that you're not unlike Daniel in the impact, or, or just in, in the confusion here. So he says, hey, I want to know more about that fourth beast, verse 20. Um, he's still describing it. And about the ten horns that were laid on his head, in case the angel didn't get it. He goes, yeah, yeah, I don't know if you saw this. It was really wild. Ten horns on his head, and the other horn that came up from uh, before, uh, which three of them fell, and the horn had eyes and a mouth. Like, I just want you to picture Daniel like, asking this question, right? The horn had eyes and a mouth, and it spoke great things, and, and it seemed greater than its companions. There was a lot of horns, but this horn seemed to rise above. And as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. And the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. All right. So Daniel asked for an explanation. He shows him that. Or he's like, hey, can you explain that? Um, so let me just read the rest of this, and we'll, we'll try to make a little bit of sense of it as we wrap up. Verse 23. So the angel says, uh, well, okay, as for the fourth beast, uh, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different than all the other kingdoms. And it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces. Right? And as for the ten horns, out of this kingdom, ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be different from the former ones and he shall put down three kings. And he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom of, and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. This is how it ends. This is the point. He keeps coming back to that. This is the point. Those kingdoms are all going to be taken away and given to the kingdom of the people of Most High. His kingdom shall be everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve him and obey him. Okay, so that's the explanation that Daniel gets from the angel concerning um, this fourth beast. Okay, so you don't even have to agree that it was Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. That really doesn't matter. What it's pointing to is this pattern, 
right? That there will be opposition by evil. Here, here's the deal. We see it throughout the New Testament. This is just sort of blending it all together, putting this, putting this into the spiritual realm and giving this imagery there, okay? So we see it often that God has an enemy, right? And it says he prowls around like a roaring lion. We have that imagery in the New Testament, looking for somebody to devour, right? Um, Thessalonians talks about a man of lawlessness. Uh, John in his epistles, which are, which are before Revelation, when he's writing to the church, says there'll be Antichrist, right? Um, there'll, be, there'll be some who have came, and then there'll be one. They seem to point to one, right, that is, that is greater than the other, or there's one that sort of rises up above the other. And, and that's, that's all a part of this language, right, that's being referenced in this. Um, and Daniel 7 is being referenced. It's referenced all throughout the rest of the Bible. It, it's incredibly um, holistic in its prophetic value and nature, and it's pointed back to all the time. But here's, here's what I think. Let me try to just summarize what the angel said about that fourth beast. Okay, again. There's going to be people who thought it was fulfilled in their time. I want you to imagine the people that are in, the Christians that are in Rome when a guy like Nero comes into power. You don't think this was fulfilled for them? You don't think that they thought he was that guy? He was the little horn? Right? Because this is what it's talking about. It's this horn that rises up above all others. He has incredible speech, incredible power, and he puts the others down, and he just keeps advancing, right? He's overtaken everywhere that he can. You don't think that they thought that? Sure they did. Rightly, they should have. Right? Uh, throughout history, there's been different moments, different times, different... I mean, it'd be, it would be fun. It's not for today. It would be fun to, to, to sit and reflect on how many different people, presidents, whatever you've been told was the Antichrist, right? Right? It's, it's sort of fun to reflect back through history and think of all the times people were really sure that it was so-and-so, right? And maybe you're here and you're really sure that it's so-and-so right now today. I'm just saying... Just saying, doesn't, it doesn't age well for you, for folks in your camp. You need to hold that in a loose hand, right? So, yeah, John talks about there being antichrist. There's those who have come against Jesus, and there's those that are going to continue to do that. Will there be one that sort of emerges as, as the final one that we can kind of see on the other side, that it was, oh, that was the, yeah, I think so. Are we going to know it in the moment? Probably not. Will there be a lot of speculation? Yeah, sure, as there always is, as there always has been, right? Okay, so, so that's, he, he's saying, it's going to happen, right? And he makes war, verse 21, he makes war against the saints and prevails over them, right? So it, this person, it's not just going to be this flippant, this person's going to have power. This kingdom is going to have power that looks like it's, it's got the church on its heels. It looks like it's, it's winning against, it's going to wear down the church, verse 21, until the Ancient of Days comes and brings judgment. And then he's going to flesh that out further, right? Um, basically verse 23, 24, 25, like we don't really know. Like there's just, I, again, I think the point is it's pointing to this pattern that yes, like Rome, but then beyond Rome, right? And it's not so much about one kingdom, but one spirit that continually and perpetually is coming against God and perpetually and continually is trying to counterfeit who God is, right? There will always be some ruler who is trying to get his kingdom to advance into the whole world. You understand that, right? It's not new, and it won't be done until Jesus comes, the Ancient of Days comes and puts an end to that deal. So it's happened. Those three kingdoms we talked about, Rome, same thing. It's going to continue to happen. There's always going to be some dictator, some dude who's trying to advance his rule and, and power, and, it, and it's just going to be a perpetual struggle. Okay? So th that, is, that is what he's pointing to, and it's less about the specifics of Rome or whoever and more about this pattern, right? And so it's going to continue to do that. It's going to continue to take power, take root, right? He speaks... 
uh, verse 25, though, is interesting. He speaks, he shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Will there be persecution? Yes. Yes. Have most of us experienced that in our lifetime? No. Will we? It, it seems like maybe to some degree, you've got to be careful how you define persecution, especially contextually compared to other places. But, but yeah, I mean, sure. There's an opposition to that. Listen, it says, Where out the saints of the Most High shall think to change the times and the law. Does that sound familiar? We're going to change the moral law. right? We're going to change what's true. We're going to change what's absolute about gender and sexuality and about education. Does this sound familiar? Absolutely. This spirit is going to be in and out throughout all the ages. So, so yeah, that, that sort of thing happened. And they shall be given to his hand for a time, times, and time and a half. What in the world does that mean? It means, yes, there will be a beast, a, an empire, a kingdom of darkness that comes against our God, but it is for a limited time and with limited power. God has his hand on the course of history, and he will not allow it to go any further than it needs to because, verse 26, but then the court will sit in judgment. There will come a day when all that will stop, and every eye from every moment of history will be fixed on the Ancient of Days. Amen? And he's going to hold court. Come on, church. Y'all still with me? There's going to come a point in history when every eye is going to be looking at our God, and he's going to hold court. This is awesome, right? And, this, and his dominion shall be taken away. So yes, there will be an Antichrist. Yes, they're going to have power. Like, and yes, you may have questions about that. That's totally okay. But you, what you need to know is that his dominion will be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And what's going to happen is the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of God. Church, this is awesome news. Saints of the Most High, the kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all the kingdoms shall serve and obey him. So I want you to look at the vastness of this prophecy and this vision and all that's going on. I want you to see how little attention this beast gets when heaven is speaking of it. Daniel's like, hey, I need to know more. <laughs> I got really caught up in all this. And he goes, okay, that's fine. What you need to know? Limited time. Putting them to an end. Right? What's going to last is the kingdom of the Most High. So that, that you need to know that. You need to see that it's just a small portion of power, a small portion of history which, with which this spirit, this man, this Antichrist is able to flex his muscle. It is a limited time. But it, make no mistake, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy what is God's. He wants to deceive as many as possible. He wants to come against the kingdom. He wants to change the moral law. He wants to change the gospel truth. He wants to do all of that. So we need to be vigilant against that. But we don't need to get distracted about the details of who, what, when, and how. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Okay? This is how Daniel ends. This verse 28. Here's the end of the matter. He says, uh, for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Um, yeah, it troubled Daniel. But it also encouraged Daniel and gave him hope to persevere. Here's the thing about, again, Daniel is on the front end of the writing on the wall story has not happened yet. Daniel's a wise dude. He probably sees that Belshazzar is about to run the kingdom in the ground. Something's about to shake up, right? You don't leave a young, immature dude who's never fought. You don't leave him on the throne. He's going to throw a party. It's gonna, that's not going to go well. So Daniel's seeing that. He's not sure what's going to happen. He's had prophecies and visions. So he's in that angst moment. But, and God gives him this vision. And and it's, and it's this truth that God has reminded Daniel of over and over again that allows him to step into situations like the writing on the wall and come in and pronounce judgment on a king who can have him killed in a moment. It's this 
truth and this hope that allows Daniel to step toward a king who is about to throw him in the lion's den and have no fear because he trusts in his God. It's this truth that allows him to live out in those circumstances. And so the same should be true of us, right? That we don't know the future, but we know the one who does. Amen? That's, that's kind of the point. We don't know the future, but you can know the one who does. Right? And the future, simply, we know the end. We don't know how we're going to get there, but we, know the, we don't know all the details, ins and outs, but we know the end, and it is that we win, that he wins. And if you're a born-again believer, if you, and, and, and I, want to, I just want to be super clear. If you're here and you have no idea what that means, what makes you a Christian, what doesn't, here's, here's what the Bible says, that, that you have no ability to stand before a holy God based off of how good you are or how, how much you've done good. You understand that? The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Don't just think I'm talking to you. I'm like including me in that. And like all of us, we've missed the mark. That's what sin means. We fall short of the glory of God. We all deserve hell. We, we stand before God. We got nothing. Oh God, I did this. I was really good. I was good to people. I helped that guy on the side of the road. None of that stands up against the holiness of God. It's good and right. You should be, you should do those things, but it will not swing the scales it doesn't work that way. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we all deserve hell. The only way that we have hope before that holy God is to cry out for mercy based upon his grace. What do I mean? This God, the Ancient of Days, so loved the world that he sent his only son. That son, who prior to that rode around on clouds, right? The creator of the world stepped out of his throne off of his throne, out of his kingdom, and into our brokenness, into our mess, to make a way for you and I to be saved. So there's a couple ditches you can fall in here. You can, you can fall in the, de- the detective ditch, right, and get really caught up in trying to put all the pieces together of the prophecy, or you could fall in the ditch of going, ah, it doesn't really matter, Jesus went, like, we don't need to worry about the prophecy, like, doesn't, you know, and listen, we don't want to dismiss too quickly these, these things, because then we start to talk like an unbeliever, it says, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll just do what I want. No, 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 we need to be sober-minded, we, this needs to provoke a reaction that this, sees, this history will come to a violent end and it will involve our Jesus putting all evil and all who have not trusted in him to death forever in a lake of fire. We need to be sobered about that. Okay, We need to absolutely be sobered about that. First, I think it's, it's Peter, I don't know if it's first or second, but he talks about like, listen, People say, well, where's your God? You're supposed to come back. Why hasn't he come back yet? Is he slow? Is he, is he get caught up? Right? There's a mockery. We can fall into that category too. We're like, oh, he's not coming. He hasn't, it's been thousands of years. Like, we can fall into that. We don't need to fall into that. Because Peter says, no, no, he's not slow like you would consider slow. The reason he hasn't come back yet is he don't intend to leave anybody behind. You understand that? He does not intend to leave anybody behind. Those whom he has elected and called by his name will be saved. And we don't know how much more he has to do, how many people he has yet to save, but we know that he hasn't come back yet, so there's still work to do, right? But we can trust that the reason he hasn't come back yet to put an end to this evil, chaotic mess is so that none would perish. That's what it says. So that none would perish, but all would have an opportunity for repentance. So if you're here and you're wondering, what does that mean? You're not a Christian. You today have been made accountable for your own soul. You have to decide, have I trusted Jesus? Have I given him my life? Have I confessed that he is the king of kings, Lord of lords, and I, I will stand before him one day, and I have nothing to stand before him 
with, accept mercy upon Jesus' name. And if you cry out simply, I say it all the time, but if you simply say, man, I'm a, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is that Savior. I want to make him the Lord of my life. Then you'll be saved. You'll be born again. And then you fall into this category of the people who will inherit the earth. And our, the kingdom that we inherit will never end. There will be no more strife. There will be no more darkness. It will be swiftly and completely and totally put away. Amen? So Daniel hides that in his heart and informs him as he goes through these other stories. He only tells us later does he write this down. So keep that in your heart. Jesus wins. The, both explanations from the angel end with Jesus wins, and so do you if you're on his team. Both times the angel is approached, he gives explanation, he says Jesus wins. Okay? So we need to know that we need to hold that in our heart, and we're going to end with communion. Okay? So get out your cups. And Luke 22, Jesus says this. It's a beautiful correlation between the two things, between all that, that um, Jesus between everything else in the Bible, right? Jesus comes to this moment, and there's Passover, there's all these things, but in this moment, we talk about it often as we celebrate communion. I'm just going to read from, from Luke 22, and he says this, when the hour came, he was reclined, <clears throat> verse 14, he reclined at the table, and the apostles were with him. So you know the scene, it's Passover, it's the Last Supper, right? And, and he said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So Jesus says, I've been looking forward to this, because I know that this is about to set into motion a kingdom that is going to be awesome, that's going to advance through the whole world, and one day will be consummated with this great wedding feast, this banquet of the Lamb. Jesus has all this in mind as he says this to his disciples. Okay? You understand? He has all this in mind as he says this to the disciples. He says, for I tell you, I've been looking forward to eating this before I suffer. They don't even know what's about to happen, but before I suffer, I've been looking forward to this. Verse 16, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He says, hey, we're going to do this right now, and I won't get to eat it again until all is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So he gives us this meal on purpose. He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it amongst yourself. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So set your wafer to the side. We're going to do, we're going to do cup first this week. So Jesus says, hey, listen, he's telling them, you're going to have this to remember me by, and one day we'll take it again together. Man, that's an awesome day to look forward to. Can you imagine when Jesus is conquered? When he comes back and shuts that beast up, kicks him out, remakes the world, and says, all right, this is ours. Party on, right? And he just rolls out the wine. He rolls out the the table. It's going to be epic. And he says, I I know. Every week, Journey people, every week you've been taking that that communion meal through COVID. It was that nasty wafer thing, but it had a purpose. It had a purpose. It was to keep your heart looking ahead toward me. It was to keep your heart looking ahead toward this day. He says to his disciples, he says, this is the cup. Take this, divide it amongst yourselves. He says, for I tell you, I won't drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Drink it, church. If you're here and you're a Christian, Drink it. If you're not, I encourage you to just observe. In verse 19, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, God, thank you for this bread. Thank you for providing for us always. And now thank you for providing this 
bread of life, this final sacrifice as Jesus is about to head to the cross. And he says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they'd eaten is poured out for you. This is the covenant of my blood. He says, take and eat. Listen, church, Jesus is coming back. And his kingdom will never end. If you're not yet a born-again follower of Jesus, do that today. Do not wait. If you are a follower of Jesus, let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. He's our king. He'll put it all right. He'll wipe every tear from every eye. We have hope in a Savior who will conquer. Amen? Let's pray. God, help that to be just the anthem of our heart, that your love on display at the cross for our sake, for our sins. Lord, cause us to rejoice. For those that don't know you, cause them to have faith to run to you this morning. For those of us who do, cause us to have faith to just rejoice and to bring you ourselves in worship. It's in Jesus' name, amen.